This is the Yahoo Finance Sportsbook Podcast. Welcome back to Sportsbook. I'm Dan Roberts, and we have talked on so many recent episodes about the launch of the AAF, the Alliance of American Football. Been very interesting to watch. Uh, We had the co-founder in here on the podcast, and we have also discussed the lack of aggressive marketing before the league launched, which I actually think was pretty smart. Uh, the league trying not to overplay it. Uh, Charlie Ebersol was in here talking about how they didn't want to make the same mistakes of the XFL in its original run by kind of over-promising. Instead, I think the AF has sought to under-promise and over-deliver. And then, of course, recently, a big news story related to the AAF. You had the owner of the Carolina Hurricanes in the NHL investing big in the AAF and now becoming chairman. He joins us now. He is Tom Dundon owner of the Carolina Hurricanes. Thanks, Tom, for coming on. Sure. Good to be with you. All right. Well, let's start with the news about the AAF. I want to ask you about the Hurricanes and the NHL, too. But obviously, this investment got so much attention. Um, Talk to me about how that process went, because, you know, I think the reporting around it, there was sort of the initial story uh, with the kind of big headline number, and then, oh, he becomes chairman. And then there was some follow-up where people said, well, it maybe wasn't, it didn't go exactly the way uh, that it was initially reported. So how did the league approach you, or, or you approach the league? Yeah, they um, it was you know kind of introduced through through uh, a buddy of mine, board member at Top Golf, with me, and asked if I'd talk to Charlie. And you know they had whatever issues they had with some of their funding rounds, and you know as they had played for they had already played some games, and it looked good. They had played a game uh, one week, and everything was going fairly well. It's just you know it takes capital to run a business and. You know, instead of having to having to continue to get the capital in the way they were doing it, I was able to make it a little easier for them. Yeah, and when that when the news of that investment came out, some people were kind of describing it as like a saving grace, like sort of what you know. The headlines were kind of wow. After just one week, the AF was in major financial trouble. Is that the case as you understand it, or is that kind of uh, misreported? Yeah, I mean, it's hard to say in terms of saving because you know obviously anytime people are raising capital you know you don't take it from so many people but um you know the league was doing fine they were they were the football was good and the, the ratings were good and then it was just about you know how do you how do you fund it do you keep doing it a piecemeal or do you just take care of it with one person so i don't i can't perfectly know what would have happened without me but right you know, I don't, it wasn't trouble in terms of performance. It was, I think it was more just, you know, having a, a capital structure that was, you know, less complicated. Yeah. You mentioned uh, the strong ratings for the first week. I wrote about that. It was pretty interesting because uh, those first few games that were on Maine, you know, primetime national uh, CBS did pretty well. And I think a lot of people were impressed. Now, of course, on the flip side, it's only those first few games that were on CBS, although just last week the AAF announced that two more games later in the season are being moved from CBS Sports Network to main CBS, which I think will be really helpful. But um, it will be interesting to watch how the ratings do, and, and obviously being in the national spotlight helps a lot more. It's going to be hard to get great numbers on you know, CBS Sports Network. Uh, talk to me a little bit about how involved you want to be or whether you'll be involved in kind of tracking the progress and success of the league. Are you sort of just, you know, you gave the money and you sit back and, and you're glad to be kind of investor or are you going to be involved in strategic stuff yeah no i'll be involved i uh there's a lot of work to do here to make this what we want it to be um you know if ultimately you want to create a platform that 
that is compelling to watch, but also creates opportunities for people, whether it's players or coaches and broadcasters, and there's some technology things. So there, there's some stuff we can accomplish that also helps us, you know, from a business perspective. So you should be able to create opportunities. And if you're creating opportunities for people, that's compelling entertainment, something people want to watch. So, you know, pulling that together is, it's mostly what I spend my time on. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, obviously there was a lot of conversation uh, around not just AF, but a number of new football leagues that want to launch, say they're going to launch, you know, the XFL is coming in 2020. um, And then Ricky Williams is out there talking about launching yet another pro football league. Um, and so I think a lot of these kind of came about the ideas were, were first being discussed over a year ago when it looked like NFL, well, NFL ratings were down and it looked like the NFL might be kind of plateauing and it seemed like maybe there was an opportunity for a new league. Now, you know, this past season, NFL ratings bounced back somewhat. So you have the AAF out here, but y- you do wonder, you know, how many uh, more leagues can launch? How much room is there? As you think about the next few years... Um, is that on the minds of the people behind AAF thinking about, well, you know, we're a fledgling league. We've got another one coming to challenge us, the XFL. Um, how much does that matter? Do you think there's actually a lot of room out there for, you know, more football? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't think anybody knows how much football people want. I've looked at it like there's, you know, 32 teams plus 100 so college teams playing at the same time, and that seems to work. Um, the question isn't whether there's room. It's whether it's any good, right? Um if it's worth watching, we think what will be compelling about the league is um, if you can see NFL quality coaches and mm. players that, that um, are working their way back up to the, to the NFL, then, you know, that's compelling. I'm not sure um, uh, a minor league football product um, that isn't built to help people, you know, achieve the next step. I'm not sure that's compelling or not. I, I actually, it's not to me. What is compelling is to create opportunity, and that's what I'd want to watch. Yeah, and you talk about uh, getting the opportunity to to make it back to the biggest level. We have Johnny Manziel just signing with the AAF in the last week, uh, so that obviously got a lot of headlines. Uh, you know, was uh, let go from the CFL and ended up in the AF. That's a, obviously a big name that interests a lot of people. Um, so how much can that help? And, you know, having, obviously, it's good to get sort of one-off individual names that people know of and have heard of and will watch, but then, you know, larger, the larger context is you just hope there's consistent quality overall, you know, across the league. Yeah, I don't look at it. This isn't a star-driven league. Um, hmm. You know, I hope. I wish the best for all these players and coaches and, you know, if, if they're good enough and they perform at a level that gets them a, a better opportunity to, to fulfill their goals and I'll be happy for all of them. And it's going to happen for some of them. And, you know, for me, it's more about people watching that, right? Like we want people to watch, um, someone with enough talent who just needs to be in the right system or the right situation. And, you know, that's what we'll do. So if, if it's him or somebody else, uh, as long as it's someone, and I'm pretty confident, I'm, I'm almost a hundred percent sure there will be people that graduate from this. Um, right. and that's the goal. Right. 
Um, you know, it's funny if we kind of get a little philosophical about the way the news cycle works. Um, I'd be interested to hear whether you were surprised by just how much this became a big story. That is your investment in the AF. That is, you know, you became owner of the, the Hurricanes in 2017. But I would imagine that this large, sudden investment in this football league, I mean, that was sort of shot you to prominence in terms of, I bet there are a lot of people who, you know, didn't know your name and now they do linking it with the AF. Is that just kind of the fact that, look, I mean, you know, you were an NHL owner, but but football's just such a big conversation. You know, we always say on this podcast that the NFL manages to have like a, a full year round news cycle. Um, but talk to me a little bit about that, the the reaction, the news reaction after you made that investment. Yeah, you know, I don't, I don't, I'm not sure I notice in my actual life. So, um, so yeah, I don't, it, it, the, the only thing about this was because it was the way it happened. It created that story, um, which I don't know how to deal with very well, because for me, we just want to build a good football league and help hope people watch it and hope that we can serve the NFL in a way that, that creates some value for, for, the players and the coaches and, and potentially the teams in the NFL. And, you know, to me, that's all a fairly simple thing. And when it got, when it got confused with the deal structure and when, and the timing, it was, you know, probably that part confused me a little bit, but (laughs) as far as, you know, it's not like I, I, uh, no one knows who I am, right? I'll go to the grocery store and people ask me about football (laughs) or hockey, right? Right. Nothing's changed for me. Right. Um, well, let's transition a little and talk about the NHL, uh, you know, as the owner of the Hurricanes. Um, and as I understand it, you know, just last year is when you became majority owner. Um, so talk to me about kind of what's going on with the team. And then when we look at all the changes that are coming to all pro sports, I would say specifically, you know, because of the legalization of sports betting state by state. Uh, as we record this, we have eight states total. You know, seven have joined Nevada since that Supreme Court ruling in May. Uh, a year ago at our Yahoo Finance Live Summit, we had the NHL Commissioner Gary Bettman um, on stage talking about, you know, what betting, legal betting might mean for the league. Um, where do you see kind of the NHL adapting to legalized betting? And then I guess just tell me about your strategy for the ownership of the team. Yeah, look, on the betting, I'm, I haven't spent a lot of time on it. Um, you know, I'm, I, I look at it and we're doing this uh, with the AF is, and I'm, I'm, not sure how hockey will do it, but the in-game interaction, um, it doesn't have to be gambling, right? Like, it, you know, whether it's earning trophies or leveling up or whatever it is, if, if you have a reason while you're watching to be more entertained, you know, the way fantasy football does for football, um, I think that's a good thing, right? I think, I think that's what we want is engagement. So if that engagement ultimately leads to certain people, you know, enjoying risking actual dollars, but, you know, like if I play, if you and I play a board game, I still want to win and I'm not going to win anything. So, right. you know, I think that human nature of wanting to win and not liking to lose, I think that's, that's more important is that technology will enable that. And then if that manifests itself into gambling, um, then that's fine too. But, you know, there's, there's, uh, I, I just don't know how it really impacts, uh, I don't know how it impacts the leagues. I assuming I'm assuming it increases revenues, but you know, like you said, it's only eight states. Right. Yeah, I mean, along the betting lines, uh, daily fantasy has supposedly been very big for engagement, and 
along the same 100%. lines as, as what you're talking about. Yeah, people just being more interested because they have a certain player in their lineup. You know, there's DraftKings for NHL. Um, have you monitored whether that has uh, brought a boost? I have no idea. Yeah, no, I don't know. Yeah. It's interesting. I'm sure it can't hurt, right? Yeah. <laughs> right. It's greater than zero. Yeah. Um, you know, another topic that we always talk about on, on this podcast is, you know, the, the changing um, viewing habits and how live streaming is going to change things. I mean, you've got uh, Amazon live streaming NFL games and uh, Amazon also just partnered up to uh, with the Yankees to buy back the majority stake of the Yes Network, which shows the Yankees games. Um, is that something you're monitoring and, and how NHL viewership might change in the near future? And uh, obviously the league looking at getting new TV deals, I think, in the next few years. Yeah, I mean, look, I don't, I, I probably focus more on the team and the quality of the product, and and hope that we're entertaining and compelling, and then what that that should mean all that other stuff works out. Uh, yeah, I'm, I probably watch from afar. I have I have my opinions <laughs> about how things should go, but I'm I'm not in a position in the NHL to to. Uh, to try to have a lot of influence there. You know, I, I, you know, if I'm talking to Gary or other owners, I may, it may be an interesting conversation, but there are people that spend a lot more time and, and know more about this than I do for sure. Let me ask something. I'm glad you said that. I don't know from afar, maybe this is an obvious answer, but uh, who are the sort of Bob Kraft and Jerry Jones of the NHL? Are there a couple owners that, you know, they're on all the committees and they have the commissioner's ear? I don't know. I think they have an executive committee. I don't know if that's public or not, but um, yeah, I mean, I'm a, I'm assuming the people that have been around for a while have more experience and, and um, you know, have deeper understanding of where we've come from and have an opinion on where we're going. And, you know, I've been doing this for a year now. So uh, you know, to the extent that I have, have thoughts, I, I'm probably willing to give them, but I don't have a high expectation of, of where those thoughts go, you know, based on how long I've been doing it. So I'm, I'm assuming experience counts for something here. Uh, because you are uh, such a new owner, what has surprised you most in your ownership so far of, of an NHL team? You know, it's probably not as complicated as, you know, it's if you're a fan and you're seeing how things, you know, if you're an engaged fan, engaged with your team, engaged with the brand and reading up and um, you probably have a pretty good idea of what it's really like. You know, it's not, it's not nearly as, you know, it's not that sophisticated. You know, these are human beings that are doing their best. They work hard. They're, they're trying to win. You know, I have a lot of empathy for some of these players and coaches, you know, when things don't go well and, you know, it's easy for the outside person to call a radio show or write something down and, you know, and maybe forget that these are human beings that for the most part, especially in hockey, they're take care. They're trying really hard. And, you know, the difference is that, you know, you do a bad show, no one cares, right? If I do a bad business deal, you know, no one knows, you know, but these people, they're, they're, if they fail, everybody sees it. Everybody asks them about it. And that's, you know, I think people think because they're athletes and they make a lot of money, they forget these are, you know, they're human beings. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good point. 
Um, you know, when we talk about your team specifically, uh, the Hurricanes are, you know, the team that was formerly the Hartford Whalers. Uh, the Whalers ended back in 97. And obviously, even though that's more than 20 years ago, it's interesting. Uh, you know, I spent a lot of time in Connecticut, and the fandom there and devotion to the Whalers is still so strong. Now, I know that the Hurricanes, uh, I think at least once or twice in the last few years, did kind of a Whalers night. We did Whalers-themed unis. Um, so trying to kind of honor that history. But but talk to me a little bit about that. Is that something that interests you, trying to harken back to those days? Or because you're in Carolina, it's just kind of hard to embrace any kind of Connecticut-related uh, past? <laughs> oh, I mean, look, when I bought the team, the, the, the old owner, uh, who's a great guy, my partner, moved the team from Connecticut to Raleigh. And so it really wasn't something they did. They didn't spend a lot. You know, they didn't have the, the logo or the gear. They didn't spend any time on it. You know, when I got there, I've always liked the logo. And, you know, as we keep talking about, you know, I look at it like we're in the entertainment business. And that that brand, that logo is interesting. It's still relevant. Um, so we added it. We started this year where the NHL gave us the ability to wear it once or twice. So we wore it twice this year. Um, you know, we'll probably do that every year, hopefully, is at least one time where it. Players had fun with it, you know. Some of the players, you know, wanted their own jersey to take home because they keep jerseys from the different teams they're on. And, you know, fans bought it, and it's something to talk about. And, you know, that's why we're all here, right? We're here to generate interest. And it generated interest, and so I I, I enjoyed it. Yeah, it's um, – I, I find it remarkable just how – popular the the Whalers merchandise still is in Connecticut. I mean, you just see the hats and, and the jerseys all the time from people who are young enough that I'm sure it's not like they ever actually saw the Whalers play. So, yeah, it's like yeah, a really strong, awesome. recognizable it's logo. It's a great logo. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, Tom, let, if we could circle back to the beginning, you know, you mentioned that the impetus to invest in the AF began with uh, your ownership of Topgolf. Uh, I'd love to, to get your take on Topgolf, too, because um, I write a lot about the business of golf, and so often now you hear golf executives or pro golfers when we say to them, you know, how can we grow the sport of golf? That's a big priority for the PGA Tour is, you know, making fans out of young people. And, you know, so it's not just about the pro level, it's the recreational level. And all of them now, they say, well, Top Golf is really helpful. That's something that's going to help bring new fans to the game. Uh, talk to me about that and, and the momentum there with Top Golf. Yeah, you know, look, when, when I got involved, it's probably been seven or eight years now. It was you know, in a couple locations. It was more about golf. It was like a driving range, and you had instructors, and it was for more for golfers. And one of the big things that they've changed is realizing that you know, golf doesn't have to be about, you know, a collared shirt and a four or five hour round um, because the people that are at top golf, they're enjoying themselves, but they are playing golf. And so, um, you know, that's the whole, that's the whole plan is to realize it, it's not a hard thing to understand now that we've done it right. It seems obvious. Um and, you know, they used to define golfers by people who played nine holes of golf, you know, twice a year or whatever. There's some definition. And so if you look at, you know, top golf, if 400,000 or so people go through a top golf a year and there's more than 50 of them and they all are hitting golf balls and keeping score, golf's grown quite a bit. Um, you know, at the same time, the tour's done a really good job and they've got younger people and they're realizing they're in the, you know, they've, they've tried to get these guys on social media and these players are engaged with the fans. And so I think they've done a really good job. And I mean, I, I'm glad top golf's part of it, but you know, 
the PGA, the best players are still what people care about. Um, but yeah, we can maybe help people get a little more exposure. Yeah, it's interesting the uh, the kind of party vibe. It's just it's become very very popular very fast for like bachelor and bachelorette parties. I think it makes sense. Now sure. I don't know if I'm as convinced that going to Top Golf and having fun hitting some golf balls will make someone into a fan of the pro game. But no, I mean I don't think it's not everyone, but you know on the margin, right? If you hit a ball and then you see somebody do it really well, um, it can't hurt, right? Like I I I don't think it hurts. Um, but yeah, I'm, but it's not a direct correlation that because you go there and have fun means you're going to watch the masters. Right. right. There's, there's a higher probability that people that go, that will go to top golf that had never touched a golf club before become interested in golf. than if they chose to go to the movies that day, right. right. Like that, that's probably obvious. Yeah. I do buy that argument. And it's funny. I always point this out, but golf is one of the few sports where if you do follow the pro level and you say you're a fan in that regard, like, Oh, I can't wait to watch the masters. People assume that you golf yourself. Oh, what's your handicap? And you know, I guess I would say only one of the few other examples is like tennis. Like if you say, you know, I'm a big fan of the NHL, no one assumes that you must play hockey, but with golf, they do that. <laughs> of course. Yeah. I think the idea that you hit a couple balls at top golf once in a while, it, definitely is more interesting to watch somebody else do it. Yeah. Um, but it's not a prerequisite, right? Like, yeah. like I said, I've never played hockey and I like to watch it. Right. Especially interesting to watch others do it. Well, <laughs> if you're not doing yeah, it well, you can tell it's good, goal. right? Right. <laughs> Um, cool. Well, let me just end by giving you this opportunity, you know, as the chairman now of the Alliance of American Football, um, and as people keep covering it and talking about it as a new upstart league, what do you think, uh, fans are getting wrong about it? Or what do you think is a misconception about the AAF? Oh, I don't know. I, I don't know if there's any misconceptions. I think it's, 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 it's on us to give these players and coaches a place where, where, you know, they can give themselves the best chance to get back to the NFL and, you know, what that should be fans expectations, right? That when they're watching the game, they're, they're trying to figure out who can help their team. You know, that's, that's to me, the reason to watch the game, you know, football is interesting because it's a fun sport to watch on TV, but I think it's more interesting if you're kind of remember the player from your college or they were on your team, or maybe they play a position your team needs. I think that's, you know, that's what we're trying to shoot for. Yeah, I think that's where the AF is likely to get uh, the most devoted fans is actually college football fans who recognize a lot of those players. Good Yeah. Good stuff. All right, Tom Dundon, he is the owner of the Carolina Hurricanes, the new chairman of the AAF. Thanks so much for joining us, Tom. Okay, we want to hear from you guys, whether you are watching the AAF, the Alliance of American Football, especially now they've got that big new investment. Can the ratings keep going up? People are interested to see how many more seasons the AAF can go. Of course, the XFL about 10 years ago tried its best and only lasted one season, but the AAF already has a lot of uh, bigger names involved. So we'll keep tracking its success and we will keep prognosticating. We want to hear from you what you think of how this league can do. Remember to sound off. You can email us, tweet, comment, and remember to rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast. We are on all podcast platforms, and we come out every Thursday morning. This is Sportsbook. Thanks for listening. Goodbye. Goodbye.